All right, but what's occurring? What's occurring? Presented by Zwift. How are you, mate? What's that racket? I'm on my turbo, aren't I? I've, uh, it's a shitty day today. So, um, you know, double turbo session. Get on Zwift, you know, something to keep me entertained. Then I forgot I was supposed to speak to you and this other dude. So, yeah. Consummate professional. Good lad. Yeah. Well, you know. How far are you done? Multitasking. Ah, uh, 45 minutes. Well, are you on Watopia, are you? No, I'm actually on uh, New York. I like New York. It's different. Yeah, that, um, what's it called? The climb on the... Oh, it's ridiculous eight. though, like in the sky. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. When I did that, uh, I'm on about my 12-hour shifts again. But when I did that, New York was the last... Uh, like place we did on the last day. So each day, I, know, was I, I was there. I was there. But... Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. The one you turned up for. Um, a one twelve-hour shift. Good effort, that. But how how hard was that for the last day? It was the hardest one by far. Yeah, yeah. Up that bloody but, climb. Good though. Yeah, it was. Anyway, we don't want to keep our guests waiting. It's the the first African I think we've had on the pod. Oh, actually, no. <laughs> Froomey, has been on, haven't he? Oh no! Uh, <laughs> oh, where is Rumi from? <laughs> keep digging, mate. Keep digging. <laughs> okay, it's we've got a South African anyway. He's uh, I've been a teammate of his. Great guy. Good to have uh, around the dinner table. Maybe not so much in the peloton. No one says he's the most talented. But uh, oh, he's keeping a straight face. <laughs> is he frozen or what? <laughs> uh, I'm just watching you. Just I mean, it's just an awe of you. <laughs> anyway, ladies and gentlemen, Daryl Impey. Welcome on the pod, mate. Thank you very much. Give myself a hand there. Great introduction, <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I kind of... You're always good at talking shit. <laughs> I kind of forgot. Um, yeah, like I said, we were doing this still. But, uh, but um, yeah, we, we started in Barlow together. 2008, while well, he was there, 2007, you joined in 2008. How was that for you? How'd you get into cycling anyway? Oh, mate, it's like a long way. Uh, you know, my dad was a racer. My dad used to race. So, uh, you know, he opened up a bike shop and then uh, I just went mountain biking one time. I was playing all sorts of sport, man. Cricket, soccer, you name it. It's cricket more on the bench. You know, I was always, uh, what do you call 12th man or whatever. <laughs> and uh, 15th man, I don't know, I can't remember even. But, um, uh, you know, like... I just started, uh, I started mountain biking and then got into it really like, uh, yeah, and then like, you know, with my dad having a bike shop, it was pretty easy to get in, into cycling. Yeah. I had all the gear, no idea. And then... So uh, mountain, mountain biking in... Uh, hey? Sorry, mate. I was going to say, mountain biking in South Africa must be pretty uh, eventful. It's not like mountain biking in bloody... Kafili Mountain in Cardiff, is it? It's like no, it's, uh, look, it's a lot, look, it's not like we've got wild animals and stuff like. I mean, there are places you can go to that have that kind of stuff. But um, you know, when I was just a young kid, it was mountain biking was pretty cool, safe, uh, off the roads. So um, yeah, it was pretty what? easy introduction. But what about snakes and spiders and all that jazz? Though we're not but scared of them, mate. Eh? What I about be people? loads of them They're around, no? What snakes? Yeah. Of course, they're, they're, of course they're around, of course. <laughs> That's what I mean, like, what are those bites, yeah? 
well, you know, if you if you fast like me, mate, you don't have to worry about anything. I'm like, it's so hard to catch me these days. Fair play. Fair, fair. Um, no, so yeah, I got into cycling really an easy way, mountain biking, and then turned to the road, and then a couple of doors opened up, started enjoying racing on the road, and then uh, actually Robbie was the guy that got me onto bilevels, so Robbie Hunter. So uh, yeah. that's what gave us that unfortunate occurrence of us being teammates and having to deal with each other for two years. But uh, <laughs> it was good yeah. that it disbanded the World because then like we could split up like you know, there we didn't, I didn't have a choice because it was my first team. But then like when I had a choice to leave you, it was, yeah, it was <laughs> his first opportunity. Did you uh, race, did you race as an amateur? Where did you race as an amateur? You Amateurs I did, actually I did a year in La Pomme, Marseille. Um, oh, yeah. I did that 2005, I think. Actually, that's where I met Dan Martin. So he was, was say, he yeah, was, yeah he, he was 19 or something, I think 18 there. And uh, I was sharing a place with him there. We got stuck in a place together there. And uh, I did a year with the Pont Marseille. And then uh, I kind of left with my tail between my legs. I kind of got a bashing that year. Kind of actually nearly stopped cycling, to be honest. Um, got my head kicked in a few times there. And then I uh, went back to South Africa. And then sure. after getting back, getting back to South Africa, I just did the local scene for like two years. And that's, then I started smashing it there. And then Robbie was the guy that got me onto it. The Pont Marseille was like the feeder team back in the day, they won it. Now it's more like um, Axel Merckx's team in it, the American team. But back in the they, day... You know, they had, a, they had a great program. Like, they were DN1, which is the first division in France at that stage. Yeah. It was like the amateurs. And there was a great program like Paris Bay and, you know, all of those kind of espoir races, which was pretty cool. And especially a guy coming from South Africa who doesn't... You know, we didn't have the opportunities to race on roads like, like we raced then. So... That was pretty unique for a guy like me because um, I left racing in Joburg roads and things like that, and you know, relatively small peloton, and then coming straight into the deep end of learning French, new language, and then like still having to race my bike and also fending for myself for the first time. That was pretty tough, you know. You're like young, twenty-year-old just trying to flip and find your feet, and then you get thrown in the deep end there. Um, but it was a good, it was a good setup. I mean, for, were for they? Defend- Hey? Were, they, were they super old school? Like, uh, it was Rochi there. Nico Rochi wrote there, didn't he? Uh, Nico Rochi oh, was yeah. there. Yeah, Rochi yeah. was there. Uh, it was a couple of good pros that came out of um, La Pomme, I said. But yeah, I was seriously old school, man. Like, you know, yeah, to, like, they got you to a point of like eating started to become like a bit of a disorder between a lot of guys. Like, the, the whole thing was about weight and you had to be light and you had to, you know, it uh, didn't matter what numbers you did on the bike. It was more how much you weighed and what you looked like. And, you know, you do the pinch yeah. test. You know when they do the pinch test? Like, you've got a race and, like, <laughs> yeah. different managers come and they do the pinch test. Like, that was, like, a regular occurrence. You know, they give you a little kiss on the cheek, like the French do, and then they'd, like, grab you around the waist and, like, have a feel there. And they'd be like, oh, man, oh, you've had a good week, eh? You know? Yeah, I had that uh, in And Bottle was pretty similar too. Like it was old school too, but it was fun. Yeah. Like at least, at least like there you had money to live, you know. So you knew like, you know, you could have you like in La Palma say you you were getting skinny anyway because you just couldn't afford food. Whereas like Bottle <laughs> World, you could afford some food, you know. So then it was going the opposite direction. But like I remember Bottle World days was cool because like we were. Like all the English guys, like me, you, Cummings, and then Gasper to Welsh, Welsh, mate, Welsh. Well, you know, English bloody, speaking. Bloody English no. speaking. Um, it was pretty cool because, like, 
we would all take the piss out of it because it was like, hey, Gino Coca, hey, like at the race, it was always like, hey, no Fanta, hey, Queen Gichi Journey at Giro, eh? You know? And we would like, that's like one of our famous things whenever we speak to each other. It's like, hey, gee, Queen Gichi Journey at Giro, no Fanta, no Coca, eh? I remember them giving you the race before you left the race. Where was it? Trentino or something? Like, maybe yeah. it was Trentino. I think yeah. I spent most of Trentino in the, like, in the cars. Like, I never knew a race like that even existed. Yeah, mate, I remember that race. Like, I think I did it every year I was in Bartleworld. And uh, obviously, coming from the track, it's like end of April. So I'd just done the Worlds. I was just overweight, fat, and I just struggled so much just to get around that race every year. There's obviously changed now, names now to Tour the Alps. And uh, obviously won it back in like 17. Mate, it's just night and day. Like, yeah, the athlete I was then to now. <laughs> Unbelievable. But I was going to say, Barlow, I had the pinch test when I first met uh, Corti. And uh, I can't remember, like, but they ended up getting me to drop my trousers. Like, I still have my pants You did on. that. You did that. Yeah, because I don't know if they were weighing me or if they were, but they wanted to look at my legs. Like Max Andrew was with me and afterwards he was like, yeah, they wanted to look at your legs to see what they, you know, how defined they were and stuff. And I was like, oh yeah? He's like, yeah, and they're really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, bloody hell, like, okay. They still, they still signed me, fortunately, and yeah. Yeah, but you did, the, you, you did the tour the first year with the team, didn't you? Like the first year pro you were with them, you did the tour. Yeah, so back in 07, because it started in London, and we were a British registered team as well at the time, so all those factors, they basically put me in, so they got a bit of extra publicity. And I was the youngest guy in the race, and so the first few days, they got a lot out of it, really. Um, yeah, because I wasn't going to do anything else, was I, really? It wasn't, but, there was nothing like performance-based. They didn't take it because you were a good rider. It was just because you were like going to get coverage for them. Just because yeah, you just my passport, yeah. It's just, that's what it's like in pro Conti teams, isn't it? It's like, that's why people get signed for teams because of the country they're from, you know, it depends on sponsors. And so, it's the way it works. I don't think they expect me to finish, so, yeah. You had, anyway. a, few epic day. You had a few epic days there, didn't you? There was a Monday you were out to ask for, like, basically the whole stage. Yeah, mate, there was one stage where it must have been 180K and I got dropped on the first climb after about first proper climb after about 40 I was just chasing for 110k on my own just like up and down these mountains just bottles and bottles over my head um, like I just had one police motorbike in front of me second car behind and a couple of times he asked me if I wanted to stop I was like no 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 I just gotta to get to the finish like even if I'm you know an hour outside time limit and then somehow just on this last descent I could just see the the back of the Gruppetto I managed to join them and then obviously I had about five teammates in there <laughs> in the group so they were all just helping me out giving me gels and stuff and luckily the next day it was a rest day and uh, yeah managed to recover a bit and sort of keep going but oh I've never suffered more than I did there ever they're proper like character building days aren't they like we've all had days maybe not quite that bad but like yeah. absolute hell and you think I'm never going to get into this, and when you do... It's more the sustained of it as well, you know? It's like, it's yeah. not just that one day, it's the other... I was stage nine, so it's the other, like, 11 after that. Especially when they're asking you if you want to stop as well. 
Yeah. When that, yeah. you know, especially. I think, but like, I, think we've, I think we've all probably had days like this where in like a career and like Luke, you can also like, you've also probably had a day like that in the tour, like maybe your first tour or whatever. Like even oh, my yeah, first tour, I can remember like, like the point where you actually like nearly brought to tears like on the bike, but not because you're like, not because you're like a, you know, like a wuss. It's just because you, you actually just got not, you're actually so stuffed. You're actually on your limit. You don't have like, you realize how vulnerable you are. And then like, you're still telling yourself to keep pushing because you want to see Paris. Um, yeah. I mean, I got Charles Larengos on the Tourmalet day. No, Tourmalet, I think it was a Tourmalet. And I, I got Charles right at the beginning. Like, I didn't even come, like, we never, we caught the bunch. I saw like 20k to go. But I remember there having moments like, Oh, first to her, like oh, I'm gonna stop, but then you you like get in your head like, but if I stop, is this gonna be like a recurring thing? Like, and that's what pushes you through, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's just as soon as you start the day, you've got to finish that day, haven't you? If you have yeah. the limit or not, you just have to finish, and then you start. You wake up the next day, and you're like, well, I'm here, so I might as well start, and then the whole thing starts again. So yeah, I yeah. stopped. I stopped once, and that was in. Um... Well, to 2014, and I got pinged straight away at the start, and I was I was so sick, I was ill, and that feeling of when you do get in the car, I, I said to myself, I'm never doing that again. Like even if, like I had no choice, I was I was that fucked. But that that feeling of when you do get in the car with the second DS, you just oh. So once once I've done it, well I did it once, and that just from then on, I said, right, I'm never going to do that again in my career, even if. Yeah, even if I did arrive at the finish an hour outside the time limit, I'd rather do that than physically get in the car. It's horrible. And seeing your bike go on the roof and, oh, horrible. Sometimes it's unavoidable, though, eh? Yeah, in that, in that case, I was, yeah, I had no choice. I think I was, the race had only been going half an hour and I was about 20 minutes down, but. Uh, so when was, your first, any boys. when was your first tour then, Darren? First tour was uh, 2012. 2012 with, uh, well, we were then, what were we, Orica, uh, Orica Green Edge. Yeah, they came, the sponsor came on just before the tour, so it was Orica, yeah, Orica Green Edge. Yeah. That was, uh, I, I started pretty late, actually, like, uh, you know, I hadn't ridden a Grand Tour, I'd been, like, pro ready for four years, and, you know, normally, like, within those four years, you'd expect to, like, do one Grand Tour, um, but yeah, I never, I never did it, Grand Tour. And then I started off with the Jira actually with this team, and they pulled me. And then they said, "You're going to the tour as well." So the two grandies in the <laughs> first year, like not full, but uh, I did 16 stages, I think, of the Jira, and then, and then the full tour. But uh, yeah, like it's funny, like when you go back to think you've been Bala World days, like, and you look at like the team we had there, and the team, like how how far most of those guys have gone in the sport. Yeah, like, you you wonder like, you know, we had Cummings, you, Froomey, Gasper, Hunter, Soler. Like, I mean, someone who's like completely okay in that bad crash, but like, geez, amazing! Like how cycling just kind of just moves on, hey? Like, yeah, it's still forget about you, don't they? It's yeah. Like when, you, when you pull out of a Grand Tour, like when I crashed out of seventeen, like everyone's sad for you, obviously, but. You know, like when everyone knows, like as soon as the next day starts, it's like, okay, he's gone. Like, you all move on and you're just there at yeah. home. It's like, oh man, this is terrible. Like, it's horrible, isn't it? When the race is still going on and you're just at home. 
<laughs> sitting there doing nothing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You have a few beers then. Then you have to have a few beers and you feel much better, eh? <laughs> hey, Darrell, when did you when did you wear the yellow jersey then? What year was that? Uh, there was a following year, so 2013. It was the yellow jersey year. Talk us through that then. That must have been, how many days do you wear it? Yeah, two. And then you guys all like shuffled it around. You all wore it for a day. Well, I, was the, I, was the, I was the last guy to get it. Um, yeah, well, it was only two of us that could get it. Well, Albert could also get it, but because he had lost so many positions on stage, um, on stage finishes, like, you know, back then in those days, in 2030, we had no uh, time bonuses, which was the thing that helped us get the yellow jersey, you know, of course. So Gero won the third stage. And then when we won in Nice the next day, he got to pull on the, the jersey. And we were all pretty close, like uh, me, Gero, and then I think it was Albacini on the same time. Gossi had lost time already on uh, one of the stages into Corsica. And, um, yeah, so Gero ward for two days and basically, um, you know, we were rooming together. And I was like, jeez, man, I was like watching this, you know, just witnessing all of this stuff going on there. Like, holy <laughs> shit, this in the yellow jersey. It's amazing, you know. And, and But there's a side of you that goes like, shit, I wish I could also be in the yellow jersey. You know, like, I'm pretty close. We're like, 10 stage positions between us, like at least the try and go for it as well and see what it's like, you know, but it's not the right thing to do. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, Gary and I were chatting in the room and, uh, you know, I remember him saying there was a stage that went into uh, Marseille and he's, I said to him, listen, mate, it's weird. I think I said got dropped and I said, listen, today's actually a good opportunity to go for the stage. Like, I'm happy to give it a crack, um, but I know by giving it a crack, that could roll you for the jersey. And I don't want to be that guy that like just comes in and like yeah. silently go for it, goes through his own chance here and it actually rolls you. Um, and it was at that point where Gero was like, listen, get me to the finish safe today. Let's rather roll in together. And then tomorrow, uh, you know, I'll lose a few positions and I'll give, you, I'll give you the chance to wear the jersey. So that's how that happened. So that was like, man, when, that, when he said that to me, I was like, geez, that's pretty amazing. Like I couldn't think that anyone would give up the jersey um, look, I think we also wanted to, I think Gera also was quite uh, aware and also, um, and he also, I think he, by his own admission said like, you know, whether he wears a jersey for two days or four days, it doesn't really change much for him. But if I had to wear the jersey, it would change a hell of a lot. Um, and, you know, I think he valued a lot of the, you know, the lead out that I gave him in stage three to, to put him in a position to actually wear the jersey too. Um, you know, he's always someone that could, Always someone who gave back something to his teammates. So it was um, a really nice gesture. And, you know, obviously that day where he lost the stage positions. And actually, I was the last guy in the split because we were leading out Gossi. And he decided not to sprint last minute. So I swung off and there was a split in the peloton. And I jumped. I was the last guy to just jump onto the back of that split. And um, I kept the yellow jersey because if I'd missed that split, there was two seconds in that. And... Um, the whole team would have lost it. There. So that would have been a big stuff up if I'd lost that and Gero had sat up, you know, because then Edvold actually... Oh, so it was pretty, uh, pretty stressful then. I came across the line, not even sure, because I was the last guy of the group. I was like, oh, I'm not sure if I got gapped there or not. So they came to me and said, listen, you got the jersey. And I was like, oh, bullshit, man. You better make sure before you tell me this, because I don't know, there could be a split there. But um, yeah, I was the last guy counted. And... Um, so then I got a two-second gap over Albacini. So that obviously then made it really out of the window because then Edvold was next in line. I think he was about a second behind me. So, um, you know, I got the chance to wear it then for two days. Would have been nice to give Albert the chance to actually have the jersey. If I had a one day or two days, probably also didn't change much. But 
because of that split, it was impossible then to to shift the jersey onto another teammate. So you were the first. Is that right that you were the first South African to wear yellow? I was a, so I was the first, yeah, first South African um, and African. So I was ahead of Frumi actually. He was the guy. Oh, took it African, yeah. yeah. So so Frumi was the guy that uh, took it from me the next day. So the day was into I think it was was it uh, extra domains or something? I think it was. I don't know how to say it, but uh, yeah, he, he took the jersey there from me, and um, so Frumi was. Then second, you know, second. Um, second by a day. Well, it's like chameleon. He's not really African or British or what is he? We've had him on the podcast before. We tried to discuss this, and we we didn't really get to the yeah. bottom of it, did we? No, no, no. Did, never. You've got to ask. Did Garo not ask you for some money, or at least you know a nice meal in a Michelin star restaurant? Or something? I'm still paying Garo off. What do you mean? I'm still paying him off. <laughs> Even after all the leadouts, the twin and unders, Prince. Um, Everything is still holding me to ransom, even to this day. It's like, listen, buddy, you remember that time I gave you that yellow jersey? You know, yeah. You just said to him, mate, it's not my fault you couldn't hold the wheel of the peloton. You got a two second split there. That's yeah. Mate, I was, uh, I'll always remember that race for different reasons, obviously, because that's when I did my pelvis on the first day. Yeah. It was, it was your bus one there that got stuck. Or was it Garmin? No, it was these, these guys. No, it's, man, it was our bus. So yeah, <laughs> this, this is the tour where like everything happened. Like our bus on the first stage got stuck under the gantry, <laughs> like up the finish line. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that was pretty epic that day. Like uh, my radio wasn't working either, and like I just saw people starting to sprint to like four k to go. I thought, like, geez, everyone's ramping up pretty quickly. Yeah, like what the hell's going on? I didn't even know. And then I saw guys like sprinting, and I went, where are they sprinting to? We still got like a long way to go. And then coming across the line, I was like, what were those guys doing? And then everyone's like, came across the line, like, hey, man, uh, what do you think about the bus? And I'm like, the bus? What about the bus? And they're like, the bus got stuck under the gantry. And I was like, I don't even know. Like, yeah, that was, know. that was mad, wasn't it? Because on the radio, it's like, oh, the finish is going to be at 4K or 3K to go now because the Green Edge bus is stuck at the finish line. And we're like, what? And then it's just chaos in the peloton. And then about 2K before the new finish, it's like, nah, nah. The bus is gone, it's all clear, finishes normal. It's just one of them where everyone is just like looking around, just like what is going on, like Yeah. And then there's a big pile up of a K to go and Yeah. That's the uh, yeah there, was a big, there was a big pile you know what happened there? Gossy's something happened, I think, to Gossy's front wheel. I think he rode into someone and then he spokes like he took out his front spokes and then the wheel just started like as we were racing, you just see it getting lower and lower. Like, it just, like, all the spikes just started going, like... <laughs> so, it's Gossie's fault. It's Gossie's fault. I was he touched wheels with someone, but he came down. I remember he came down. Yeah. Yeah, um, so... After that, your career really sort of took off, though, eh? Like, I don't know how many races you'd won before that, but after I that, just you looked, to win. I just looked at the time now. You've won 27 wins. That's pretty impressive. But it was, it yeah, was but, from then, really, wasn't it? Yeah, I'd say, you know, like... Um, like big wins that you can like that you'll count like races that you'd count you know like um, I think I, you know I'd won a few small races before that in Africa like Tour of Morocco and things like that but um, on a scale of Europe probably not not that much racing and it was really a race that kind of put me my career on the map you know like a lot of people started taking notice of me um, that kind of stuff and, and but the whole the whole career actually really took off when I joined you know, Green Edge, they were kind of the guys that 
um, where everything started to fit into place and I started to like find my, my way, find where I was fitting to this team and like get value, value for it. Um, and yeah, that's like pretty much, you know, that's where everything started. The Tour de France that year was pretty big. And then, you know, then we had a bad year the next year when, uh, when I had that case with the Provenacid case. And then obviously oh, yeah. I lost two or three months from that. But, um, you know, it was a small setback. I mean, it was terrible for me as to deal with and as a family and, uh, you know, as a, as a sports person to have that. That was pretty hectic, like, um, you know, pretty tough on the, on the head and pretty tough on everything else. But um, that, was a bit, that was a big setback. But, you know, that kind of, that period there was also a period of reflection and it actually just gave me, you know, extra, extra motivation to come back and, and do well. And um, I think 2000 and 2017 was probably my, my best, like, a start of a new ride, I think. Like, um, you know, once Gero had left and there was a few more opportunities for a guy like me in, in Greenwich and Michael Matthews had left and guys of similar, similar you know... Um, characteristics. Characteristics. And that opened the door a little bit for me and it gave me a chance to actually try and pursue something else. And, and yeah, uh, you know, one step after the next step after, you know, learning from guys like Gero, learning from them, um, I started to, to find my own little way and the kind of where I want my career to go. And it might not be riding Grand Tours and winning Grand Tours like G, but, um, you know, uh, you know, I definitely found a spot in the, in the, in the calendar where... I would target something and go, oh, that's that's what I'm going for. You know, that's something that gets me excited and something that makes me yeah. ambitious. So what's your, your best or your proudest win at the moment? Proudest win? Um, look, I mean, the biggest win is winning the tour last year, for sure. Uh, that was for sure. Like the icing on the cake, you know, it was um, yeah, a super moment. Like, you don't get, you don't get bigger than that. Like, and it was so weird because, like, you expected the day to be a bit like it could be a breakaway, and you're like, oh, I first got to get in the move, and it's first got to all happen, and then I've got to be there, and I've got to have the legs, and I've got to hope, like, Peter Sagan's not there, and Cobrelli, and freaking Matthews, and you've got all these factors that have to, like, work out on the day. You know, you've got to, like, think to yourself, this guy's not there, or that guy, and then I've got a chance. Um, and when I got in there, I was like, shit, I've got a chance here. Like, there's a couple of good climbers here, there's a couple of good all rounders, like, here's the chance, you know, like, this is the day. And luckily I had the legs that day. But, um, yeah, I, I think that's probably one of the proudest. But, you know, there's still one race that, like, sticks in my mind that I'm super proud about. And, like, it's such a small small race in significance to everything else in the world that we do. And, like, last year, the SA Championships, that was the coolest race that I've ever done because, like, I had all these guys against me. Uh, like, all the South Africans, obviously, they want to beat me. And I had, like, my family was there to watch. My friends were there to watch. It was just down the road from my place. Like, the course was close to home. And it was just, like, sweet that I won it, you know. And then I, like, won it by riding away, too. So, that was, like, for me, that was a super proud moment because it was just, like, the right people were there. It was so cool just to do it back home. And that was, yeah, that was quite a standout race. It, like, still gets me excited when I talk about it. Yeah, it's weird. How big is, um, how big is cycling in South Africa now? Well, you know, it's it's... It was gaining quite a bit of traction, but you know, a lot of people have, a lot of kids and that have stopped coming through now just because of the safety aspect on the roads. You know, the people are afraid 
you know, hijackings and then also the, the safety with the cars. It's, uh, yeah. You know, I, I also wouldn't want my children really to ride on the roads, um, you know, you prefer them to mountain bike. But mountain biking, mountain biking is like rapid, man. It's growing at a rapid rate. Um, it's, it's hugely popular there in South Africa. It's, it's really like overtaking the road by quite a long way now. So you just mean the car drivers there, they just, just don't really give a shit? Yeah, they just don't give a shit. Like, um, you know, the, the thing is, like, everyone feels that their time is more important than the next and yeah, right, rushing yeah. to work and, uh, you know, also the education there for people that don't see a cyclist on the road as someone that's providing maybe some food for their family or, like, a young kid who's ambitious to ride the Tour de France. They just be like, well, what are these people doing on the road? That's kind of the attitude there. Yeah. Will you, will you always move back to South Africa when you retire? Or will you... Tough question. Tough question because, you know, there's so much that I love about South Africa. There's so many things. Apart from having our family there and, you know, that's the biggest thing. That, like, when I stop one day, like, you really sacrifice so much just being in Europe, just being here, being away from everyone. That's, like, the biggest thing you look forward to is, like, one day when you stop, like, oh, I'm going to be back home and see everyone and have a good time. But, you know, now that we've had three kids, we've also got to provide a future for them where we go, okay, man, like, is it safe for them there? And at the moment, it's pretty pretty difficult to say what uh, what we, if if it's if it's hundred percent safe, or you know, are we going to get to a stage where our kids go in ten years' time and go, listen, Dad, I'm finished school now. I actually don't like South Africa. I want to go somewhere else. So we're a little bit lost in that regard at the moment. But um, you know, Come like to Cardiff, mate. Come to Cardiff. I, I couldn't say. Eh? I couldn't, man. Couldn't all that weather. I couldn't deal with that weather, man. Oh, when I was back in Cardiff during lockdown earlier, like, weather was great, mate. I got a tan and everything. Yeah, I keep... I accused, it doesn't fine. take long to, for you to get a tan, though. <laughs> true. Very true. Hey, Daryl, how many more years left in the tank, then? You talk about retirement. you got a few no, more years. Well, you know, I think... Uh, so, 35 now. Turning 36 this year. I think I've still got a good two years... Like, the thing is, like, I mean, good two years. Like, I don't want to just ride around. Like, I think for me as a as an athlete, and knowing how hard the sport is, it's it's really not a sport where you go, like, oh, I want to do it half ass. I'm just going to do it for the money, lift plates. You know what I mean? It's like, you want to go out and, like, leaving feeling like I've added value. And I think the minute I feel like I'm not adding value, that'll be enough, you know? And also, like, you know, also being away from home, the family and things like that, that's, those are factors in there. But um, I still think, I'm not knowing you're retiring, but, um, you know, like, it's it's not something you can avoid. We are getting older. We are getting, the other factors are coming into the world. Uh, you know, the kids are growing up. They need a dad that's at home sometimes, not just like, although they're tired of me now in lockdown, they've had enough of me, eh? I was trying to fly a kite just before talking to you boys outside. There wasn't enough wind and it was my fault. So it's like, <laughs> they've had enough of me. <laughs> We've already How many more years you, for you, G? How many more years for you? Everyone keeps asking me this, but, mate, I'm spring chicken, so got tons of years left. At least another three or four. And then, yeah. you just never know, do you? Like, like you say, situation. Like, if you end up family getting bigger as well, I could play a part or whatever. But at the moment, I'm, uh, well, just itching to get racing, I think. This whole year made me realise I still love racing. Like I miss it so much now. So, yeah, 
we'll see. We'll we see. can see yeah. by the fact they're on a turn. And you, Rowie? Rowie, you'll, you'll be here about retiring soon, won't you, Rowie? You're like right there. Whoa, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm 30 now, so got a few years uh, Got a few years on you boys. But uh, yeah, four or five more years. Maybe when you're your age, Daryl. Yeah. When you're winning my race. What? When I'm what? Uh, I thought you said when, when you're winning my race. I was like, what's he on about? No, no, no. <laughs> I won't be much winning races. But uh, no, when I'm your age, maybe that'll be it. But yeah. you never know what's around the corner, like you boys say. Family, you know, crashes, injuries. That's something I've dealt with as well. And you never know when that's... Yeah, it's but you know, the thing... the fact where it's, it's out of your hands anyway. But like, do you know, like three or four years ago, I said to myself, like I'd signed a new contract with the team for like three years. And I was like, yeah, that'll be it, you know? That'll be it. Like you think then, like, That'll probably be it. You, you, but then you get into like a different space in your life, and then you're like, you start right racing, and then you actually realize like, Shit, I'm actually kicking ass at the moment. I'm doing well. Like I'm enjoying it. I'm like, I'm stronger than I ever thought I'd ever be, and like maybe I'm just peaking later than the other guys. And that's that's what's like really happened, you know. And then I, I've had the most fun racing my bike the last two seasons, just because like we're going for stuff, I and mean, we're not just like rolling around and just pitching up at the race. That's it was last year where you had like a killer start to the season, wasn't it? Down under, Cadells and... Yeah, you had like yeah. a three-month yeah, period. It was, it was a good... It was, like a, it was like a good, solid year the whole year, really. Like, you know, missed a few wins like in like throughout the, that middle period. And then obviously got the, the win in um, the tour and then like when we went to check tour and then like that just like fell like on my lap you know it was just like funny because you go to racing oh i want to win there and like we went to check with no ambitions really just to ride around and then next minute you're fighting for the lead you know um so it was weird because like you get to a point like last year i found i got to like a small point where i was like oh this is like a small race and actually you shouldn't get like that like you know any race is actually important but um they're all hard these days aren't they any race you win these days you take it it's like any wins a win jeez yeah, there's no easy win. I'd, yeah, I'd take a game of Tiddly wins. <laughs> so we've done your favourite moment, like in your career, Daryl. But what's your favourite sporting moment that you've witnessed? I think, uh, you know, when uh, I think about it more and more, it's like, I reckon the Rugby World Cup, uh, 95. Just because, yeah. like, I was, a, I was a young kid there and I've never felt that, like, never seen or felt that emotion before from South Africa. Like I was in South Africa, obviously in school and things like that. But like, even as a young kid, like I wanted to go and buy a South African flag on the final day, you know, like I yeah. saw my parents like, shit, we need to buy a flag. Like it was important to me because I knew like rugby world cup finals on and I wanted to show support. And then like, I remember that. And then I remember us winning and like Mandela giving the trophy over. And you know, I remember like Joel Stransky, who's also, you love cycling Joel Stransky, by the way. Um, he, you know, when he did that, that goal, it was just like, just, yeah, I think it was the first time I've witnessed the country and at such a young age, like just coming so united, you know, and, and we witnessed that last year too, again, but uh, like 90, that 95 one was just a really, like really different feeling for me. I think I felt like something had changed, like, yeah. like something had changed and that was, that was pretty cool to witness. Yeah, I can't even imagine that, to be honest. But yeah, I can, I can see why it was. Yeah. Next question we always ask everyone is um, if you're on death row and you're given your last meal, um, starter, main dessert, 
and something to wash it down with, if you like, what are you going to go for? Well, starter. Um, starter would be a nice, like, uh, like, a, like, you know, like a bit of octopus with like a bit of like potato or something like really like, but subtle, you know, like a subtle little. Potato bravos. Spanish yeah, not, not, not the tightest bravest luck, but yeah, similar. Then obviously the main course would be a massive T-bone. I think a T-bone steak, um, medium rare, nice pinch of salt there on the top, you know. Um, really like nice and warm, you know, but like just that on the plate, you know, maybe like and a little couple of fritches on the side. Um, and then as dessert, jeez, uh, like, was making an idea. Dessert. Shit, man, I love everything sweet. Um, you know, it's like quite nice. Like after a big heavy meal like that, it's like a good like panna cotta or something like that. You know, like, that's, that's really oh, nice. That's disappointing, mate. Panna cotta. Panna cotta, come on. It's like, but like, like great start, uh, great name. Like Let like, yourself down with the dessert there. Yeah. Or like, or like something like a meringue, you know, like. Oh, I love a meringue. Yeah, like meringue with some some cream and some berries or something like that. Like something. Don't like let us change you. You're on death row here. You're going to eat it. You have what? You have your um, panna cotta, mate. Okay. What are you going to wash it down with? Um, for well, well, I think uh, to start we'll have a beer for sure. Like you know, I think you always got to start the day off with a beer, and then um, we get onto some good reds. Some good South African reds. We've got some good good stuff in South Africa. And then uh, dessert to wash it down with. Um, I quite enjoy having a whiskey, actually, after after dinner, after a big dinner. So um, Straight up. Just just straight. Well, on the rocks as well. Like I think you need it uh, sometimes on the rocks. But um, to be honest, mate. I think, I think you've got to have the company, though, to go with the whiskey. Like, you know, I, I think it'd be really sad if I was like, just me by myself and then just having the whiskey. You know, I, yeah, I like to enjoy this someone. That, wouldn't you? Hey? Well, that's, that's another question we ask. If you could have a dinner, it doesn't have to be on death row now. So, okay. But if you could have dinner with three people, dead or alive, who would they be? So, number one would be um, Nelson Mandela. I think that'd be a cool one to really nice person to have a chat to. Bill Gates. Okay. And number three, I would say uh, my grandfather, who uh, I actually, I met him, obviously, but uh, he passed away when I was young. But he, like, obviously went through the war. And, um, you know, my granddad told me so many stories about him. So I think I would love to, like, get to know him and hear his side and how they moved from Holland to South Africa. And, you know, that whole debacle and just, like, get nice. to know him a little bit. So, yeah, that would be my three. Solid. Then you've got some, some company for the whiskey then as well. Exactly. I just say one thing. Normally people just have the one drink, so uh, I think you've got a bit of a problem, mate. Having three quarts <laughs> drinks as well. I'm an alcoholic. Dude, <laughs> I tell you what, in this lockdown, it hasn't been good for me. It hasn't <laughs> been good for me. Like yeah. I thought, you know, I've bought a couple like supplies, you know, because I knew like things could go bad. And then like, just, you know, it's just continued. happened. It's just continued. Get to five, six o'clock and you get them itchy feet. Well, five, five or six o'clock, like, yeah, it's normally like crazy time. So it's actually like not bad. It's not a bad idea to have like a little glass of wine or beer just to like wind down. Wind down a little bit, you know. Do you, do you have that with kids? Do you have like a time where you go, I just need to have like 
just a little drink, like a little one. Ito, yeah, we are, eh? Hey? Are you allowed Ito. to drink? Nah, mate, nah, teetotal. Uh, teetotal. You're full of shit. <laughs> I thought this well, was like an honesty thing. I, I, if Look, if I have to be politically correct, like, yeah, I know, look, uh, at night I like to have a protein shake. No, <laughs> no, nah, nah, everyone likes a good drink, don't they? But that's my session done now anyway, boys. So uh, thanks for joining us, Daryl. No, that's cool. Thank you for having me. It was cool to be on and uh, see you guys again. It's like I've missed racing. I've missed rubbing shoulders with old Rowie there, and you just like going sorry behind him. But um, we'll get back on. We'll get back onto the road. That's true. Like you know, you come past and you like make space, Rowie. You try and make space. It's yeah, like, yeah. Then G's the guy behind you going sorry, man. You know it's Rowie. <laughs> you know. G just says, "Oh, it's not my fault. I'm just following. I'm just following. Sorry, sorry." Yeah, yeah. I just, they just gave me the thing I knew stand this wheel, but like they always put it on you. So uh, I always, I always get the blame. I just accept it now, mate. Yeah, that'll yeah. uh. <laughs> be good to race you boys again soon, eh? Hopefully we, hopefully we can kick it off in uh, August. Let's hope. Yeah, yeah. back to the Fingers tour. Crossed. Shit, have right, you been back. training much? How much hours have you been doing? Quickly. Ten hours a week. No. 10, 12 in it, G? Yeah, between sort of 10 and 50. <laughs> yeah, you can't count your week you did the challenge. <laughs> Not and giving usually, anything away, mate. Usually we uh, just do between like one, seven um, effort days a week. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not good. All right. Cheers, <laughs> mate. Guys, thanks, eh? Good to see you again. Catch good to see you. Take care, mate. Ciao, ciao. Ciao.